your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, the Irish Times has a very interesting story on the front page this morning. Immigration is now the main issue for voters and new survey finds. Politicians expect the topic to play a big role in the local and European elections, which are coming up in June. Housing, taxes and social policies also high on the list of most pressing concerns. And this is um, uh, the Irish Times and Ipsos uh, B and a, who have done this survey. And Limerick City, Fianna Fáil TD, Willie O'Dea is with me in the studio. And in a moment, we're just going to talk to him about the widows and widowers' pension. And uh, this is after the court ruling last week that we were chatting about on the programme and some of the inquiries that he is getting. Uh, good morning to you. Morning, um, does it surprise you to see that a, a survey is talking about immigration as a major topic on voters' minds in the build-up to the elections? No, it doesn't, uh, for two reasons. First of all, you, you saw the uh, huge publicity which the media are forwarding to this topic at the moment uh, because it's 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 a leading story. There have been various, the, the latest episode with Ross Gray. And secondly, because I've been doing the rounds, some of the rounds myself, with, with various candidates for the forthcoming local elections. And there's no doubt about it, it is a hot topic and it will... I mean, they, I agree with the poll. I mean, it will. I, I don't need any poll to tell me it will feature uh, in, in any election, electoral contest that takes place this year, whether it be local, European or general election. And what is the thrust of the comments and questions that candidates are getting, as you say, as you've been on the canvas? Well, one of the questions, one of the questions, of course, people have been uh, very fearful because of a number of high-profile crimes that immigrant men been involved in. Uh, that's pretty unfair, I suppose, to the overall immigrant community because, you know, I mean, uh, there are, if you take the numbers, I mean, it's, we, we're talking about a small percentage, probably equivalent to the number of percentage of Irish people who commit these these crimes. The, 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 other, the other factor that comes into play is uh, the lack of access as it stands at the moment to services like medical services, hospital services, etc. Uh, you mean feel, in general? In general, in general, yeah. They feel that, you know, okay, those access to those services have for some reason become restricted, I suppose, because we have less doctors in the country and we have more people, obviously. Educational services as well. Uh, transport services because uh, what people feel instinctively is that the more people you have depending on those services the less good the services are going to be for everybody else and they are the main services it's it's not it's it's very how would I put it it's very ordinary, understandable, everyday concerns, you know, about people for their services. I've come across very, very, very little trace of outright racism or hostility to people because of a different race or colour. It's practical considerations like, you know, have we the services or can we afford the services to sustain our rapidly increasing population? And do you find that there are some communities who feel they are asked to take more of the burden around the country than others? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we we in the city... uh, in here in Limerick City, we we, are, we don't face the same uh, same sort of situation as you have, for example, in Ross Lair or in Ross Grey, where you have a town of a limited population and suddenly, you know, twenty percent addition to the population. We're lucky enough to live in a city, uh, so so you know. And it, the, the, recently, there was a survey done to show the uh, you know where immigrants are located throughout the country, and some. Some areas have 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 a, a ratio almost per population, almost twice 
uh, what other pe- what other areas have. So it's 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 th- that that in itself poses a problem also, particularly when you're talking about smaller communities. The government it does have an option to pay fines. Is that right? To um, reduce the numbers that Ireland is obliged to take. Yes, th- th- that that system is there. I'm not I'm not all over the details at the moment, but I mean it is it is an option certainly. Uh, it, it's something that can be done. To what extent, as I say, I'm sorry to say, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked it up recently. But, it, but it does. It, it like the carbon, like the carbon situation, whereby you can pay, you know, for, you can buy carbon credits. I mean, I don't want to c- compare people to carbon output, but yeah, there is an option to pay fines to reduce numbers. Now, last week, as I mentioned, we covered the widows and widowers' pension after a ruling by the Supreme Court uh, allowing an unmarried man to take the pension following the death of his partner of 20 years. And I know we've had some questions about this, but, uh, Willie O'Dea, you've been getting questions about it as well. Yeah, so what I, my, my, what I want to do here this morning is to try to answer some of the questions on a practical level. I, read, I, I waded through the Supreme Court judgment yesterday, and it's long and it's very complex and I'm not going to bore people by going into the details. But obviously the first question I've got is, okay, the Supreme Court have now ruled that in the case of an unmarried couple, if one of them dies, the the survivor, the the law preventing the survivor from getting widow's pension is unconstitutional. Uh, So the first question I get is, well, what do we do now? Where do we get the form? Can we apply? So the answer to that is, it's not quite as simple as that. You can't just apply at the moment because this is a new benefit which has been created, a, a, a survivor's pension for a cohabitee. So what has to happen now is that the government has to prepare legislation to set out the details of how that will be applied for and create new forms, etc., for which you'll apply for this specific benefit. Now, uh, as regards time scale, I mean, it, it, when the legislation is prepared, it'll have to go through both houses of the Oireachtas. Now, I'm sure that'll be done immediately, the legislation is prepared, but I would envisage that there will be a delay here. There will be a delay in preparing the legislation because it is extremely complex. And uh, I'll give you a few examples, which will hopefully answer one or two other questions. People have said to me, we have no number of people have said to me, I've got the invalidity pension in the meantime, or I've got the old age pension. So, you know, if I fall into this category, can I get the widow's pension, the survivor's pension as well? Well, the answer to that is no, unless the only, the only people who will be able to get a second benefit will be uh, people on carers allowance in which case if you're getting carers allowance you can you can you can get a second if you're getting social welfare you can't get a, se- a second social welfare payment like widows and old age pension but if you happen to be getting a social welfare payment and you qualify for the carers allowance you can get half carers allowance together with your main social welfare benefit so people have gone on then to say to me well now that I'm in the old age pension now that I'm in the validity pension which would be the same rate as the widow's pension is this any 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 is this of any relevance to me and of course the answer is sometimes yes because um the person let's say somebody somebody's uh, partner dies at the age when they're age 60 and you know they don't get any social welfare payment up to 66 when they get the old age pension it may be that they would be retrospectively entitled to the uh, uh, widow's pension from the age for, for the period for which they were so they receiving. may backdate is that not just to the Supreme Court decision but before it you think yeah, it, it's possible it's possible nobody knows for certain and you know if you wait through the, the technicalities of the Supreme Court decision that possibility is wide open I mean the law that they struck down the actual piece of legislation they struck down was passed in 2005, which is almost 20 years ago now. But it was building another legislation which goes back 
practically to, to, the, to the beginning of the state. So there is that. There's also the question of if you are entitled to some sort of retrospective payment, there are a number of other entitlements attached to the widow's pension, such as, uh, in some cases, uh, the, the um, household benefit package, etc. And do they attach on to what you get retrospectively? Or do- so, you know, just to give you those few examples, it is quite complex. It is complex and it will be, it will be difficult to draft the legislation. Right, and the general rules will apply here. If you remarry, you aren't entitled to it from that point. Yes. If you're cohabiting you're not entitled to it from that point. What is the situation with children? So, in other words, if you are a widow or widower, um, but you do not have children, does that make any difference to the widow or widower's pension? No, and uh, that was one of the reasons, actually. That was one of the main reasons the Supreme Court decided as they did. If you read the majority judgments, they're saying to children, whether their parents are married or not, if they're in a family-type relationship... Uh, it doesn't make any difference from the point of view of the children. So why should the children of cohabitees be excluded? Because if if you have children, you, you, mm. your pension increases. You know, per per child, yeah. you, you get you get the extra per child. Yeah. So I mean, the Supreme. So Court in other words, if you if you if you happen, so if if a partner um, passes, mm. and in that relationship there are no children, it doesn't prevent the surviving partner getting no. the widow or widower's pension. No, they no. will get it anyway. They will get it anyway, despite right. that reason. They will get it anyway, yes. Correct. Oh, okay. Right. Um, so, so, as you say, it, it's complex and um, and also I, I know from talking to somebody last week that there was a, a minority opinion uh, which may have a bearing on the upcoming referenda. They're not directly connected, but the whole point of families and relationships mm. and how they're defined is. Yes, I think... I I think, to be honest with you, reading through, reading be- between the lines of the Supreme Court judgment, I think they were <clears throat> more or less anticipating the current referendum and anticipating that it is going to be passed, where the definition of the family would be extended, the family is entitled to protection constitutionally and legally, will be extended anyway. Okay. One other question, um, and you know, whenever we discuss this on a radio station other than RTE, we can be accused of bashing RTE, and I don't want to get into that, but there was some speculation over the weekend about how the funding model was going to work for RTE and for broadcasting more generally, you know, including um, newspapers locally and nationally, um, local and national independent radio stations, um, media organisations in general, and RTE itself. And, and some suggestion, everything from broadband levies to whether the, the um, revenue commissioners would collect the equivalent of a broadcasting charge, how that would be Distributed. Where are you on that at the moment? Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just following the debate. Really, I'm, I'm, uh, it is it is as you say, it is a huge question facing government because there's no doubt in my mind. You know, judging by a reaction I get from the public going around, etc., that we do every day I go out, every day I meet people, the need for an independent, objective media. You know, uh, it reinforces itself in my mind. So it is very important that whatever mechanism the government adopt, they will put something, uh, something robust in place to, you know, save and protect independent media. Because God help us in this country, if elections and and, and the shape of future governments were determined so, uh, solely by what we see and hear every day on social media. So there is, there is a recognition that it is fundamental to democracy 
to protect the media, both national and local, the independent, objective media, that at least have to tell most of the truth or the truth most of the time about what's happening and be objective. That is absolutely vital. And so this is a very important debate, and I think the government have to, are going to have to come to a decision in it pretty shortly. But I do know... I do know they're engaging very, very, very intensely with it at present. Would you be concerned, for example, you mentioned social media, about the potential impact of it. We, we know about deep fake videos and all the AI developments even over the last 18 months, that that could have a significant influence on the upcoming election? Well, it could. I mean, uh, certainly it could. Uh, you know, you can, you can, you can fake, you can, you can put out fake videos now of people that, if, of, of politicians or candidates or whatever saying something which is almost impossible to distinguish from the real person uh, and that's a potentially frightening development no question about that so the more technology in that line develops the greater the danger finally on this one you are comfortable with the idea of rte continuing to get significant public funding presumably on the basis of the reforms that they have been proposing Oh, absolutely. But I mean, you know, it's shocking when we see the, 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 the gross waste of taxpayers' money that has been revealed by uh, experiments such as Toy uh, Show, the musical, where there seems to be absolutely no accountability, no proper management, except for people going off doing their own thing. You know, certainly, yes, because RT is a forum for public objective news. So I am in favour of the public, the taxpayers supporting it, but only if... The, 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 there's no more waste, gross waste of taxpayers' money and that'll depend on the reforms taking place at the moment. But it's also fair to say that the discussion we've been having this morning is public service broadcasting too. Public service broadcasting, absolutely, yeah. There's no, no question about that. I mean, we, we have to protect, as I've said, we have to protect the independent media sector because otherwise we'll be at the at, at the mercy of social media and God help us if that day ever comes. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much for talking to us this morning. That's Limerick City, Fianna Fáil, TD, Willie O'Dea. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today.